Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome uh, to Word Horde, the podcast <laughs> where we take a word or phrase mm-hmm. and trace its meanings and origins throughout history. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Grablowski, alongside the honorary Valar, <laughs> Mr. Kyle Jones. Good morning, Kyle, sir. good morning to you. The coffee is brewed. It's a beautiful yes. morning to study some Silmarils, if you know what I mean. Uh, I love you, brother. I love you. Yeah. Learning it's been, all the it's time. It's been a good day. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if uh, if you're just joining us, we have been uh, studying Tolkien for the past few episodes. If you don't mm-hmm. know where to start this episode, or if you're new to our podcast, please feel free to go back to the season three premiere about five or six episodes back. Um, that would be a good place to start for you. If you're curious about the whole thing, start from the very beginning. But that's a mm-hmm. great place to start if you're just joining us because we're kind of going through Tolkien right now. And we're looking mm-hmm. at the Silmarillion, which is one of his very first works and also his last work. It's the work that he started in the trenches in World War One. It was what he wanted to publish initially. And mm-hmm. then uh, he, you know, he, got, he, got, he wrote The Hobbit as a uh, bedtime story for his son and then uh, wrote the Lord of the Rings kind of just to keep his son when he grew up uh, occupied or I have it all backward don't I the Hobbit is correct me if I'm wrong where's Lord of the Rings come in it's during the Battle of Britain or is it the battle is it the Hobbit that's during the Battle of Britain you remember this Kyle uh, so, so well I know that the Hobbit came in a little bit later um, if I'm not mistaken but uh, I believe that that Tolkien started his first work, if I can just back up a second, with the Cimmerillion. That was the first, mm. and that would have been around 19, I want to say 1914, um, during the First World War. Uh, you know, he was writing uh, ideas on script, on script pieces of paper. The Hobbit was a side work, a, an addendum that even at the time, you know, uh, Tolkien said, I just really didn't take it seriously. Um, so that was kind of an exercise or an extraction of Norse mythology, things like that. Some of the, the Norse gods and the poetic Ada, the uh, uh, obviously Balder and all of those guys were definitely mentioned in uh, in this uh, in this work of the of the Hobbit. But uh, uh, the, the Lord of the Rings, if I'm not mistaken, was kind of uh, uh, the answer to the genesis um, of the Cimmerillion. And as Tolkien was continuing his Silmarillion, um, he didn't want to, to separate that from the Lord of the Rings. He wanted to make mm. <clears throat> the whole thing one body. So that's about all that I can give you in terms of information on that right now. Um, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a, a mishmash here because it's, yeah. it seems that like the Silmarillion was his first work, and he wrote mm-hmm. the Hobbit, like you said, and then the the the, the uh, publishers were clamoring for a sequel to The Hobbit. And mm-hmm. if you've ever read The Hobbit and then you've read yes. The Silmarillion, you know that that would not make the best sequel. <laughs> right. Uh, the Silmarillion is not... So So Tolkien says, well, I do have The Silmarillion I really want to publish. They're like, don't worry about that. That's just a, an, an amalgamation of all these different things. It isn't in any sort of cohesible form. Uh, please just give a sequel to The Hobbit. And so he sat down and he's like, sighed. He's like, okay, fine. And he wrote Lord of the Rings. Right. Just because he was forced to. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's what I, I've always been told. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, his passion was this whole mythology, and what's so fascinating to people who probably haven't studied Tolkien um, mm-hmm. is that Lord of the Rings is I and I I say this in all sincerity, and it sounds like a joke when you realize how thick those books are and how involved and how deep they it's are. Amazing, but it is just the tip of the iceberg. It is not even yeah. the tip of the tip of the iceberg. It happens. Yeah. It's a blip comparatively to the rich 
uh, mythology that Tolkien has, and that's why yes. he's constructed this. So for the last three episodes, we've kind of set this up. We've kind of talked about Tolkien and him building a mythology. We also talked about mm -hmm. the difference between mythology and allegory and yes. why these books are so rich. Um, and then last week, and we got into the very first pages and episodes of uh, of the creation story of Middle Earth. So this is way mm -hmm. before Frodo and the Ring. It's way before all the stuff. We're going to tell it to you just from the very get go, mm -hmm. and we're going to kind of take you through a lot of the the, the word and the linguistics of the, some of these names, some of these places. As you guys uh, probably know, Tolkien was a a linguist of great mm -hmm. renown. He's actually probably just as famous, if not more famous, for his linguistic uh, approach and, mm -hmm. and, and his, uh, his abilities as he is for his authorships. Um, right. He wrote like three or four different languages in the process of writing The Silmarillion Lord of the Rings, which is insane. Um, and so we kind of have gone through that. So where we are in the story is there is Eru. Eru is the god figure, and he is the one. And he creates the Ainur, the, the mm -hmm. highest of which are called the Valar, and mm -hmm. he said he commands them to make music uh, according to kind of a chord progression. He just sets out a basic structure and says, "Hey, everybody, play in this key, play in this structure, and watch all these different harmonies intricately weave together." And these harmonies are what is created in the world. And as two musicians, we both love this idea of <laughs> the world being yes. created because of music. It's just so beautiful. And mm -hmm. then we, we left off. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to turn in your books, and please don't turn in your books if you are driving. That is, we advise against that. <laughs> you know, we, we hold no responsibility for those of you who do that because it's, the text is awful small and it's very hard to turn and read. Um, the, uh, we left off right where this guy named Melkor comes in. Melkor is another one of the Valar. And uh, and mm. here's what is happening. So let me just set the stage. So picture this: we're we're kind of creating, uh, you know, Eru. The God is creating the world using his angels, the Ainur, mm -hmm. the highest of these these uh, these uh, beings. And we have it right here. So. Okay. Am I supposed to read this, or I didn't quite? If know. you want, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to turn in the page. <laughs> this okay, is why we I'm don't sorry. drive, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I can read it, or you can read it. Go ahead, I, go ahead, I, I, uh, Kyle. If no, you want to. I, I actually I like you you reading it because I can listen for a change. I really wanted. I am enjoying you yeah. this morning. <laughs> All right, great. I love it. All right, so and so. Uh, the, uh, then it came to pass that Iluvatar called together all the Ainur and declared to them a mighty theme, unfolding to them things greater and more wonderful than he had yet revealed, and the glory of its being and the splendor of its end amazed the Ainur, so that they bowed before Iluvatar and were silent. And Iluvatar said to them, Of the theme that I have declared to you, I will now that ye make in harmony together a great music. And since I have kindled you with the flame imperishable, ye shall show forth your powers in adorning this theme, each with his own thoughts and devices, if he will. But I will sit and hearken, and be glad that though that through you great beauty has been awakened into song, and all these different themes of Iluvatar are, are, are being played um, aright, and they're taking the being at the moment of their utterance. And uh, I'm going to skip down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it goes to uh, this this uh, Ainur called Melkor, and says, But now Iluvatar sat and hearkened, and for a great while it seemed good to him, for in the music there were no flaws. But as the theme progressed, it came into the heart of Melkor to interweave matters of his own imagining that were not in accord with the theme of Iluvatar, for he right. sought to attain to therein to increase the power and glory of the part assigned to himself. 
To Melkor, among the Ainur, had been given the greatest gifts of power and knowledge, and he had a share in all the gifts of his brethren, and he had gone often alone into the void places, seeking the imperishable flame. For desire grew hot within him to bring into being things of his own, and it seemed to him that Iluvatar took no thought for the void, and he was impatient of its emptiness. Mm. Yet he found not the fire, for it is with Iluvatar, but being alone, he had begun to conceive thoughts of his own, unlike those of his brethren. So, sir, some, uh, something rotten in, uh, in heaven over here. <laughs> not Denmark anymore, huh? Yeah, I guess oh, Denmark, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not, well. <laughs> not the most heavenly place. Uh, Copenhagen's great. Um, so, uh, yeah. so mm-hmm. Kyle, what, so Melkor is kind of the Satan figure in this story. Would you say that's mm-hmm. true? Oh yeah, okay. even by name, of course. And, and and when he says he is upset with, upset uh, with the Luvitar because he he doesn't appreciate the emptiness or the space, is that mm. is that is that a justifiable reason for this, or why is Melkor doing this? Would you say? What is you know, what is Tolkien trying to tell us with Melkor's character here? I think it's a, that's a that, that's a you put it put it together very well right there. Uh, I think that there's obviously the longing um, for something more is is that hell itself and and as we see the plight of Iluvatar uh, excuse me the, the plight of Melkor uh, that he found uh, his judgment to be that which um, was uh, governed by God and mm-hmm. and it's interesting to me that that the the Ainur acknowledged they were governed by God but they also uh, took the mindset uh, to be sub-creators or to be able to create in, in like in like fashion. But knowing that no theme came from Iluvatar, uh, only uh, uh, no theme that was, was not from Iluvatar, excuse me. So I, I, if you look at just these first few paragraphs, you're seeing how Tolkien is defining, this is very key, Tolkien defines words uh, through the context of the writing. And that's what I find so fascinating about Tolkien is that his definitions of words are, in my opinion, uh, based on a better story. <laughs> uh, and a lot of times, you know, we have the, the dictionary we can go to, we find a, a good, you know, definition of a word. But here we have an entire world created, contextually sound, um, and words are brought out of them uh, to to have that type of meaning. Um, you know, I, I would, I, and I'm just I'm just listening. This has been a I didn't get my my coffee until right now, and I, my alarm didn't <laughs> go okay, off, so right. I'm I'm just trying to get my you know my my act together here. But uh, the uh, Melkor, his plight was uh, taken on as a plight because. His mind was uh, that he couldn't do anything else other than what Iluvatar had established. So it, the mindset was plight, was fate, and that was his damnation. It was in his mind where the Ainur knew that they were under God, as I've said this before, or Iluvatar. And they enjoyed that as children of God. And I think that's the, the great distinction. And if you go to, and this is so applicable and again, I, it, this this is a theology. So go mm-hmm. out and say, and I and, and I we've talked about this before. There are fifteen different words for free in the Greek that I re- remember studying, and sixty six terms for the word will. So 
go out and tell somebody just for fun you don't have free will and see if they don't want to slap you with a cold fish and right. you go wait a minute so you got to you know wait a minute which free and which will did i mean <laughs> i am free to will on the themes of Iluvatar or Iluvatar, you know, how you want to say it. I've heard Iluvatar is the more perfect way Iluvatar to say it. Iluvatar is right. I've been putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable this whole time. Uh, yeah, you're, it's okay. It's okay. Iluvatar. Uh, Got it. Uh huh. Yeah, I think that's, that's the. A, that's a life changing uh, for me because I've pronounced it the same way for, <laughs> since uh-huh. I was like 10. Oh, God. Yeah, that's okay. All sorts of things. Yep. So it's. Uh, so that's that. I think it's the mindset of the theology. We are free to will on the infinite strings of God, Elevator. Uh, in this case, his name is Elevator or Eru, and um, that they are infinite, though we're infinitely bound to them. And thank God, thank Elevator, thank Elohim, of course, Yahweh, uh, that we we are that. And um, the 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 children of darkness, the ones who followed Melkor, um, are the ones, and Melkor himself in his likeness uh, looked at that as a limitation. But to be separate from that, though you're not separate from that, uh, is to be in the mind. So you're you're in a constant mm. battle, and in the darkness is darkness that you are receiving. That's called hell, hole in hell. Chaos, you know, gas. That 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 chaos is where the mind goes when you're uh, trying to strive with God. You're striving with the, the striving, and as it and as it says that just a few sentences down from that, this is that that the the judgment is that you'll turn around and see that you are you are fulfilling the beautiful. Uh, and immeasurable, you know, will of God. You are fulfilling Iluvatar's will by even striving against his hand. Yeah, <laughs> and he keeps he keeps striving against his hand too. Because at first, uh, you know, the discord. I'm just reading down here. The discord of Melkor mm-hmm. spread ever wider, and the melodies which had been heard before foundered in a sea of turbulent sound. But Iluvatar sat and hearkened until it seemed that about his throne there was a raging storm, as of dark waters mm-hmm. that made war upon another, and an endless wrath that would not be assuaged. And so mm-hmm. then, then Iluvatar stands up again and he creates another theme that's even more powerful than the last one. Yeah. And again, yeah. Melkor uh, just rises up and tries to counter it with his own theme. <laughs> and it's always interesting to me the difference of the, the, the themes of Iluvatar are these these crystalline rippling you hear you hear the words beauty all these different words being used by tolkien to illustrate Iluvatar's mm. theme uh versus yeah. versus melkor's theme which is kind of just the noise uh the noise knob on the moog right it just mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh right. the, so it happens three times and then on the third time um it just gets Iluvatar aro- arose and the ainur perceived that his countenance was stern and he lifted up his right hand and behold a third theme grew amid the confusion and it was unlike the others for at first it seemed soft and sweet a mere rippling of gentle sounds and delicate melodies but it could not be quenched and took to itself power and profundity and it seemed at last that there were two musics progressing at one time before the seat of Iluvatar, and they were utterly at variance. The one was deep and wide and beautiful, but slow and blended with an immeasurable sorrow, from which its beauty chiefly came, and the other had now achieved a unity of its own, but it was loud and vain and endlessly repeated, and had little harmony, but rather a a clamorous unison of the many trumpets Mm -hmm. braying upon a few notes. Yes, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, I, and I just want to stop just for one second. I think that was the, the repetitive ostinato that we were referring to, mm. uh, that, it's, that it's, it's still fulfilling a purpose, as we'll see down later. Uh, but that was what we were uh, we had said the other week. So get, go on, go on. Yeah, can, so that's that's yeah, and great, that's great, great. we talked. No, we talked kind of about the, uh, the the differences between you know the the music of uh, the idea of uh, the, the countries that have believed in like a a uh, triune God and man versus countries that more believe mm-hmm. in, in you know a multitude of gods. It's, there's a variance there, and and mm-hmm. uh, in in consequence, kind of the music tends to be a little yeah. bit more drone oriented. Um, just interesting that we're, we're, we're using that again in this myth as well. Um, mm-hmm. so oh, that's very midst- interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go, ahead. Um, go ahead. Well, I, no, I, I I'm going to, I'll add to that in a second. I, keep on reading. I, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> in the, there, there's so much to cover, isn't it? In the midst of yeah. the strife, we're at the halls of Iluvatar should shook and a tremor ran out into the silences unmoved. Iluvatar arose a third time and its face was terrible to behold. And he raised up both his hands, and in one chord, deeper than the abyss, higher than the firmament, piercing as a light in the eye of Iluvatar, the music ceased. And uh, Iluvatar spoke and said, Mighty are the Ainur, and mightiest among them is Melkor, but that he may know, and all the Ainur, that I am Iluvatar, that those things that ye have sung, I will show them forth, that ye may see what ye have done. And thou, Melkor, shalt see that no theme may be played, that, that hath not its uttermost source in me. Nor can any alter the music in my despite, for he that attempteth this shall prove it mine instrument in the devising of things more wonderful, which he himself hath not imagined. And I love that. Mm. I love that even yeah. in, even in the chaos, God is creating order um, mm-hmm. in spite of our own best efforts to defeat His mm-hmm. purposes. He's still achieving mm-hmm. purpose through us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? Yeah. So that. So if I could just, I'm just going to go back and and just cover like just what you said a little bit, just to say a few things. Yeah, please do. Uh, that, that I that I'd underlined. You know, I said. So going back to the uh, the second page on our little G doc thing, I I copied the uh, the text. And it says right here, now, uh, but now Iluvatar or Iluvatar sat and hearkened and for a great while it seemed good to him for in the music there were no flaws. And so we, we've discussed what good is. So everybody throws around, well, that's good. Well, as we go back to the Hebrew and to the Greek, Agathos, Kalos, and uh, the, he- the Hebrew Tov, we understand that in the, the Genesis account, uh, that there was, you know, th- that this was good. That God saw, God saw that His creation was good. I love how the English is brought out here by Tolkien. So, because there is no sub language text to this, this is you have to take these words in context for the for the fullness of meaning in the story. And so, there is no other Hebrew cultural term to go to. You know, mm. so as he says it in this narration, there were no flaws in the music. Um, if you see the, 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 the this narration, you're you're looking at perfection, uh, no turbulence, and I I love how that that word good is equative to that. So you know you, it's just like soft algebra when you when you use the word good uh, in this case in this story, good means that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I, I love I love how that he that, that Tolkien knew his theology and I think he put it in this sub creation to express that is the definition for what good is. 
Uh, but it says, but as the theme progressed, it, it, uh, it came into the heart of Melkor to interweave. Now, we already know, uh, right here, check this out, to interweave matters of his own imagining that were not in accord with the theme of Iluvatar. Here's the deal. We know that it's not in accord, as it says here, but it also says, as you go on further, that there's nothing outside of the theme of Oluvatar, which I'll bring up. So what does that mean? Is there a contradiction? No. This is why you have to hold the con consistency of value of two things that, that are seemingly dualistic, but they're not. This is the ultimate, you know, treaties for free will versus, and I, I hate to say free will, but I say it in the rotten term of how we have come to be to understand free will versus predeterminism, predestination. And uh, you're looking at a concept that there's a bad spirit, a bad thing, Melkor, uh, going against the accord of the theme of Iluvatar. Well, is he? That makes you, let's sense. go on. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, and I think your phone clicked out, so I'm not quite yeah, sure. Yeah. It might be my – there yeah. you go. So um, – to, to Mel, okay, and it says right here, uh, for, for he sought therein to increase the power and the glory apart assigned to himself. Well, we know that the ratio ration is exactly what uh, they were all given. So let me let me go on, and I'm going to keep that as a mental coat hanger so I can address this again. Are you there? Because I want to make yeah, sure oh, yeah, I'm not here. Okay, listen. there you go. I, I think it was my phone that went out. Um, so, and I'm going to I'm going to go on over here. It says, but the discord of Melkor rose in uproar and contended with with it. Now, this is still talking. Talking about the same discord, um, and again there was a, <clears throat> was a war of sound more violent than before until many of the Ainur were, were dismayed and sang no longer. And, and Melkor had the mastery. Mm -hmm. Okay, then again, so you'd you'd think this is a, a duel. This is dualistic. Um, then again, Eluvatar arose, and the Ainur perceived that his countenance was stern. Oops, uh, I just knocked something down here. Excuse me. I'm You're sorry. totally good. It's a, and I can understand why his countenance would be stern in uh, in this situation because <laughs> he's been trying to yeah. he's been trying to write the theme and create. And and I don't think it, it's interesting. You read at the end. I don't know if the Ainur are even aware of what is happening well, with this theme, which is so often the case with well, God's work. So. So. Yeah, yeah. So again, okay, he goes on and says, and, and he lifted up his right hand. Obviously, it's a symbol of righteousness. And he, and beheld a third theme grew amid the confusion. Uh, and it was unlike the others, for it seemed a, 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 at first soft and sweet, a mere rippling of gentle sounds it, in delicate melodies. But it could not be quenched, and it took to itself power and profundity. And it seemed at last that there was there were two, it seemed, okay, again, seemed. At last, that there were two musics progressing at one time before the seat of Iluvatar. Now, stop right there. That means that's how close Satan is to God. He is at the seat of God right here. He's before the seat of God. And this music is coming from this seat of God. <laughs> okay, and, and they were utterly, and now this is very interesting. Wouldn't that be uh, very much like the, the, the voices of the false prophets? Mm. Yeah, uh, as as Jesus said, there will be many in the last days uh, saying, "Lord, Lord, have we not preached and prophesied your name and done many wonderful miracles and many wonderful works in your name?" This is the last day, of course. And Jesus says, uh, "And and then I will tell them to depart from me, ye that work iniquity." So there will be many people professing God's theme, even with His name, Jesus. And they doing these works will deny the power thereof because they are not professing. Well, let me show. They're denying God's theme, 
and they're saying, look at me, look what I can do. So they're mm -hmm. doing the miracloi uh, to shine. And that is the word, by the way, for Satan, the shining one. Um, Huparephanos is the one. It means literally to shine above. Uh, the, okay, the one. Okay, the one was deep and wide and beautiful, but slow and blended with an immeasurable sorrow from which its beauty chiefly came. The other had now achieved a unity of its own. But check it out. And so this is Melkor right here. But it was loud and vain mm. and endlessly repeated. It, it endlessly repeated, like you said, uh, like you read, and it and and it had little harmony, but rather a clamorous unison of many trumpets bring upon f few notes. And uh, I do love the uh, the Sauron's army had that very, uh, very same vibe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it and it essayed to drown the other uh, music by the violence of its voice, but it seemed that uh, its most triumphant notes were taken by the other two woven in. Okay, so I want to jump down here for one second, just a few, about maybe four or five paragraphs down. Mm. Uh, and so it's and it answers to what I said. Put the mental coat hanger on. So this is uh, Ilavatra going, and thou Melkor wilt discover. <clears throat> All the secret thoughts of thy mind and wilt perceive that they are but a part of the whole and tributary to its glory. And many other things uh, 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 Ilavatar spoke to the Ainur at that time. And because of their memory of his words and the knowledge that each has of the music that he made himself. Um, I, I, I love to see. And, and here's an, this, let me back up. Forgive me, people, but let me back up just a few paragraphs before I, what I just read uh, about the clamor, and where Ilavatar is saying to Melkor, and thou Melkor shalt see that no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in me, nor can any alter any alter the music in my despite, for he that attempteth. This shall prove mine instrument in the devising of things more wonderful, which he himself hath not imagined. Now, right there, that's what we call a maxim, a theological maxim. And I could have started this entire, if I wouldn't have done it, because I'm not talking, <laughs> I wouldn't screw up his story, <laughs> but... But I, Kyle Jones, the, the lesser writer, always will be than Tolkien, would have probably started the entire writing maybe with this one statement. And, and not to Melkor, but I'll, I'm going to read this again. This is his condemnation to Melkor. And thou, Melkor, shalt see that no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in me, mm. nor can any alter the music in my despite for he that attempteth this shall prove mine but mine instrument in the devising yeah, I, look, he's going to prove his he's, he's his own instrument in the devising of things much more wonderful more wonderful which he himself hath not imagined so there's that's the thing that Tolkien was saying there's always going to be that extra layer of truth that you can't possibly see because we're rationed only to see a portion, or in ration and portion, do come from the same ratio, reason, same word, the same same source. So that's that's really the judgment as well upon Melkor that he could never get out of truth. He could never get out of it, and the more he struggles, the the it's in his mind that he struggles. He he is in hell, and that he is struggling against. These ever, this infinite layer, layering of truths. 
that that hell is in the mind here. It's 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 the, you can't get the the, the reality. The, the reality is that you are always going to be an instrument of a more beautiful de- design that you will see. Yeah, yeah, and, that's so true. And I I think that's it. Yeah, <clears throat> and you know again you know education. I know we've discussed that before, but what you know. A ducare, a out of ducare darkness. And so again, mm. to edu- educate in Latin, it means to be pulled out of darkness. This is the darkness, ducare, that, that, he, that Melkor was in. Yeah, and it's, it's so funny, right? Because it, the, the ignorance of Melkor is what causes these two disparate lines um, to mm-hmm. be there. But it's also pride. It's a, com- it's a, it's a one-two punch of both the, the ignorance of, of, of understanding God's wills and God's purposes and the pride of thinking that we're understanding God's wills and God's purposes, <laughs> which is so often the case with humanity. I love it. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, friends, for listening, and we'll let you all go. And, uh, yeah, if you like this, please tune back next uh, next Tuesday at 530, same bat time, same bat channel. We're here every Tuesday, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Have a good one. <laughs>